0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Um, so I want to read uh, from Mark chapter 5 this morning, continuing with our unity series. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is In Unity with God's Pace. In Unity with God's Pace. We're going to start in verse 22 of Matthew 5, and it should be on the screen. It says, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She said, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead, they said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep, but they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Whew, Josh, where are you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Talitha Coam, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Awesome. Awesome story. And uh, we just did your Bible reading for the day. That was about 20 verses. So great job, everyone. Give yourself a pat on the back. Um Just kidding, but I've noticed uh, something about this story that I want to bring out, and I also have been thinking a lot this week about 12, the number 12, and its significance uh, in Scripture. Um, We see things like the 12 apostles, uh, the disciples. We see 12 tribes. We see in Revelation 12 gates on the temple. We have 12 months in a year. There's 12 hours in a day and 12 hours in a night, okay? It's spiritual. You see, God loves the number 12. There's 12 donuts in Krispy Kreme Dozen, okay? It's spiritual. God loves the number 12. Uh, 12 shifts things as well. Do you remember when you were 12 years old, things began to shift? You said, There's changes happening in my body. Some of you are still going through that uh, this morning in your 20s. Um, but you, you graduated after 12th grade. You see, something shifts. There's, so there's something about 12 that there's a graduation, a thing going into a new thing. In, the, in scriptures, the age of accountability is 12. And this is important, I think, when we think about the fact that we're in month 12 of our pursuit year. This year, every year we have a focus, and this year our focus has been on the word pursuit and going after God and going after his presence, and it's been 12 months. This is the 12th month that we've been doing this. I think it's significant because biblically, 12 uh, means perfection and represents government. Every 12 months we have a focus word for this reason. And so these last 12 months, we've been trying to establish something about pursuing God at Encounter, and I think God has shifted some things at Encounter in the last year. If you, if you were at Encounter a year ago and today, I would think that, that there's something different about our worship and about our speech and the way we talk and the way we act, because for 12 months, we've been focused on pursue, pursuing God and going after God. And you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? After 12 months, we're going to get a new word. We're not going to pursue anymore. That's not it at all. And the way, the way I, I heard it described, and I love this, is as if there's an orchestra playing. And whoever is leading the orchestra, the, the maestro, will actually tell one instrument, I want you to play louder right now. He doesn't ask the other instruments to stop playing. He just says, now it's your turn to do a solo and play louder. And in the same way, I think for 12 months, God has had us playing louder on pursuit. In these next 12 months, God is not going to ask us to stop playing that. He's going to say, I want you to focus on this thing now. And so for 12, every 12 months, I believe God gives us a word. And and I think the number 12 is so significant in scripture. We see the 12 tribes and the nation of Israel because God is always wanting to build something. And then in the New Testament, we see a man who became God. And that's what we celebrate our God who became man. That's what we celebrate this time of year. And he came to be a Messiah. They thought he was going to set up um, some political realm. And he was going to be a political leader here on, on on this earth. But he didn't come to rule because Jesus already has a throne. And, and for those of you who maybe you've been minimizing the cross to benefit a political organization or affiliation, let me tell you this morning, we believe that Jesus Christ is not a Democrat, he's not a Republican, he's not an independent, because those are things that are constructs of people that want power, but Jesus already has all power, and he sits above those things. And my faith is not is not dictated by those things, those things are dictated by my faith. See, Jesus, he he chose these 12 disciples in the New Testament because he wanted to build something, and I think it's important that we realize that, in every 12 months we pick a word because I think Jesus is trying to build something in this house, and we have a foundation of pursuit, and now we're going to build on top of that, not neglecting that, because we're always called to be in pursuit of Jesus, but instead, God has put a focus on something else to build on top of it. So, Pastor Brent, what, did, what, did, what is God saying our focus is going to be for the next 12? Well... Um, our last two have been pretty exciting. I thought that I liked the last two years that we've been here. Two years. If this year new, this is this is our third uh, time we'll have picked a word and. And our first year was beyond. I mean, I love that. That's powerful. That'll preach. Like, God can do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all we can ask, think, or even imagine. Oh, yeah, praise God. And then pursuit. I mean, that'll preach. That's exciting. So I thought, God, what's it going to be this year? Like, run? Like, growth? Like, what's it going to be something powerful? And, and I wasn't really excited when he, when he told me uh, what it was going to be this next year because I thought, no one's going to cheer for that God. But he said, nope, that's it. And some of you, you'll be spiritual and you'll say amen because you understand it. But, but on, the, on the outset, when you just think about the word, it's not a very exciting word. And the focus that we're going to have for 2019 as a body is the word available. Available. And so I've been asking God for clarity on that, what that looks like. And I felt like God was saying it's time for my body to stop striving and just start being Available. And I think so often we get so busy doing and striving that we aren't even available. And, and available to me is not really an attractive word. And it's not really as easy to preach as pursuit or beyond. It's, it's different. And, and, I, and I started thinking about this word available and I thought back to like negative connotations that go along with it. I remember at recess in grade school, you're picking soccer teams, you know, and, and oh, we got our teams, but we need one more player. Is there anyone available? And little Timmy's like, I'm available. And you're like, nah, we're good, Timmy. You get the next one. But it's, it was never the best things that are available. Or maybe you go into a restaurant uh, for a date with your lovely spouse, and you're like, do you have anything available? And they're like, do you have a reservation? No, I don't. I don't make reservations. What is that? And they say, well, we have one booth available, but it's by the restroom. You ever sat there? You know where you could smell the urinal cake from your seat? You know what I mean? And, and you're telling your spouse, he didn't wash his hands, I was watching, okay, when they come out, hey, creepy. You know what else is creepy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be transparent here, um, and I'll apologize later, is going on a date with my wife. She will literally hold her breath. Anybody else here that will do this to listen to a conversation of another table? This is my date night, pray for me. I'm just kidding. Or maybe you go to the movies now and they have these fancy seats and so now you go to the movies, you have to order online because if you just show up, you say, I want to see this movie in 10 minutes, they're going to say, well, let me see what we have available and guess what, it's the front corner seats, you leave the IMAX 3D uh, looking like the viral pic of that neck guy when you leave, okay, from staring up because nobody likes the available. Accept my God. My God is not intimidated by the available, by the leftovers. In fact, my God is not looking for the able, he's looking for the available. He's looking for someone who says, God, if you can use anybody, use me. He he doesn't need the best. He he can take whatever you think you have left over and everyone else is more qualified and everyone else is a little bit better. They haven't made the same mistakes or done the same things you have, but I'm telling you, my God is not looking for you to be able to do anything. And there might've been a calling over your life that intimidated you because I've been there And I look forward and say, God, how in the world could you use me to do that? I'm telling you, God does not need you to be able. He just needs you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm available to do whatever you want me to do. God is looking for people to be available. That means you have no excuse. That means you're not in charge. You just said, well, I'm available. I don't have much, but here's what I got. And God says, that's enough. That's all I need. He just needs some people to be available. But this morning, I want to focus on something I realized as, as, I, as I was t- thinking and praying about this word available. I realized something about Jesus I'd never thought about before. And as you read the scriptures about Jesus, and many of you have read them uh, through Some of you may have not ever read them before, but I want you to know this morning, I've looked and looked, and nowhere in scripture does it say that Jesus ever ran anywhere. In the words of the prophet Kanye, Jesus walked, okay? He did not run. He walked. I, could, I can't find It anywhere. In fact, the only time Jesus ever even rode an animal, it was a donkey, and that's a walking animal. Jesus was, it's something about this that I think we need to learn from Jesus, because my question for you this morning is Is your pace sustainable? Is your pace even sustainable? Brent, you don't understand. I'm just grinding right now. I'm working seven jobs because I got to get that house, but can I ask you this morning, are you trying to get that house, but losing the very house God gave you on the on the way to get that house? Or maybe this morning you're, you're thinking, I, I need a relationship. I don't even have time to, f- my biological clock is ticking, God. What am I gonna do? I can't even find Mr. Right anymore. I'm not even worried about it. I just need Mr. Right now <laughs> because I'm, I'm, an, I'm desperate and I need this. I, I need, because my time is short and, and you're running at a pace. That's not sustainable and it's not going to be good. Or maybe for ministry, maybe some of you are not in ministry at all, but maybe there's some of you here that you're constantly, I I teach three Bible studies on Monday nights. It's great. And then Tuesdays, you remember the old church? It's church on Sunday morning and church on Sunday night if you really wanted to get down. And then Monday night was choir practice. Tuesday night was prayer meeting. Wednesday night was midweek service. Thursday night, uh, discipleship training. Friday night was evangelism training. But guess what? You never had any time to evangelize because you had to be at the church every single night. And I think there's something that God is trying to do in this season that's saying, I don't need you uh, to be busy every moment. I think God needs us to be available at times to say, you know what, God, I want to run at the pace you set for me. Is your pace even the, the pace that God desires for you to have? Or are you looking for something that's actually possible to get just by walking with Jesus? See, but Pastor Brent, I need to get that position at work. Why? Because you think more money will give you peace? What if Jesus says, walk with me and I'll give you peace? Or or what if you're you're just striving to find a relationship because you feel like that's going to complete something in you, but walking with Jesus, actually, he says, I will complete you. You don't need anybody else. Actually, the thing that you're running around striving for, you find just by walking at God's pace for your life. But we find ourselves striving and looking for these things. But I believe God desires for us to walk at the pace of grace. That's good this morning. You better write that down if you're taking notes. The pace of grace. Because I find you will do far more by the, for the kingdom of God by walking at God's pace for your life than you will by running around from place to place trying to do something for him. Because there is no burnout at the pace of grace. And I I looked this up because I was interested. Do you know Jesus walked, uh, they say, over 3,000 miles in the three years of his ministry? I haven't even walked 10 miles in the last three years. I don't know. I drive to the mailbox, okay? Don't judge me. But in those three years, we never once see Jesus run, yet Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy from the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. He wasn't late for anything. He didn't stop short of anything. He wasn't, he wasn't constantly... I never once read that the, Jesus and the disciples made haste and ran. Jesus, the Lord, dipped out of there because he had to go to the next place. I never read that anywhere in the scripture. Jesus, everywhere he went was on purpose with purpose. Did he not know the urgency? I think he knew the urgency. He was Jesus. Was he lazy? No, he was not lazy. He was present and available at every moment. And I think God desires that for his church, for his people. And i got to tell you, I love that because I hate to run. I, in fact, I think it's sinful. I have new biblical precedents for this. Jesus never ran, and I'm just trying to be like Jesus, people, okay? So why don't you stop running, you sinful people? Can I get an amen? Thank you. I've never got that many amens. You know, have you, have you ever run on a treadmill? This is, to me, like the closest to hell I'm ever going to get, personally. And, but at times, I have run on treadmills. and I got to tell you, when I run on a treadmill, I'm too competitive, but it like motivates me. I'm super competitive. When I get on a treadmill, I'll stand next to another guy, and I'll size him up before I get on and think, I can take this guy. And if he's running six, I will run 6.1 because I got to win. Um, and, and they don't know that we're in a race, but I'm thinking this morning you're probably judging me. I need to tell you again, this is also biblical, okay? Because there's a story in the Gospel of John, which John wrote, and when he speaks of himself, he, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is pretty cocky in itself. But he says, he wants you to know the story about when he and Peter saw the empty tomb, he said, Peter took off first. But then he says, but the disciple whom Jesus loved Got to Jesus or got to the disciples first. He wanted you to know he left first, but I won the race. Okay, so (laughs) being competitive is biblical, but I get so exhausted quickly. I get so tired on the treadmill. It's it's a joke. And sometimes you'll, you'll be running next to that person who wants to have a conversation with you while you run. Has this ever happened to you? And and they're having a conversation and they're not even out of breath. It's so annoying. And I'm thinking to myself, bro. I am not available to have a conversation right now, okay? I am running. I'm exhausted. And I'm asking you this morning, is it possible that you're so busy running after things you're not even available for God to speak to and use? Maybe you're so available doing this and that and Jesus is standing next to you and wanting to spend time with you and speak to you but you're running around saying, "Hold on, Jesus. I got to I got to spend time. I got to work and and then I got and then I got to get ready for for the ministry. I got to plan a set list. I got to do that, Jesus. I'll be with you in a minute. Jesus, I got to plan a sermon, Jesus. I need to have a social life. Oh, and don't forget, I got to watch Furtick, Jesus. Come on. I got to I got to I got to and no time to actually walk at the pace of grace and spend time in intimacy. With God, It's no wonder we see so much anxiety and depression and suicide in our generation because people are striving left and right and anywhere except at God's pace for their life. And this morning you might be saying, Pastor Brent, God gave me all these gifts and opportunities. Are you saying that I should slow down? No, I'm saying you are supposed to be deliberate and do what he tells you to do, not what you think you should do. Because God will never call you to exhaust yourself, but if we're honest with ourselves, some things that you're doing are not because God told you to, it's because you think you're supposed to. And we get so caught up doing all these other things that we never have time to do the most important things that God wants us to do. And we end up going through the motions and acting like we have it all together. Some of you showed up this morning acting like you're fresh. You're blessed. Uh, you came in dressed nice, smelling great. I smelled you this morning. You smell good. Um, that's creepy. Anyways, uh, that did come out, right? Just Josh. I smelled Josh. He smells great. Um, and I'm telling you, and they're, but inside... You are exhausted and you're dry, and your whole family knows it. Cause on the way to church, you you knew what you you know what you said. But then when you got here, I'm blessed and highly favored, amen. And or maybe your Instagram is on point. It looks like you got it together. You are so happy. You are living your your best life now. Okay, you are doing it. You are doing it. But on the inside, honestly, your blooper reel doesn't look anything like your highlight reel you're posting on Instagram. You are dry and empty. Or maybe you're striving and doing everything you can. and and saying I'm doing it for my family and I got my kid the new Jordans he wanted but yet you are so caught up in work that you aren't even there to be a father or a mother to your kids striving and running around rather than running God's pace for your life can I ask you this morning can we stop striving and start being available I looked up the definition for striving it's to exert oneself vigorously or to try hard that sounds opposite of the gospel The gospel is about rest and peace, and it's not about trying anything. It's about the grace of God and resting in the grace of God. In fact, if you're trying and striving for salvation or to do something for God, I'm telling you, you're missing it. Because the joy of knowing Jesus is not doing for him, it's knowing him. That's it. My question for you this morning is, what are you striving for? Are you striving for love? Are you striving for forgiveness? for acceptance, for some kind of value that's going to come with some position or something. Maybe you're striving to prove your dad wrong, the one who left you when you were young and he said those things, and now you're living your life to prove him wrong. What are you striving for this morning? Maybe you're here and, and you spent your, the last years climbing a ladder because you want to prove something about your value to people. But I heard a quote that I love and it says, what, it would be a shame to spend your whole life climbing a ladder only to find out it's leaning against the wrong wall. And I want to ask you this morning, is that you? Are you striving for the wrong things? And maybe you look like you have it all together, or are you striving just to be the version that you, of you that you think other people want you to be? I think this morning that this is a message for everyone in the church, because I've learned when you're on the treadmill of striving, you can expend a lot of energy, but you go nowhere. And I think God desires to take us places, to take us to new places and to the next level, level. But we get so busy on the treadmill of life that we just think, if I can just get through this month. You ever done that? I'm on the treadmill of 2018. It's been a busy year. But if I can just get to the new year, this is the busy month, okay, after this. And then you know what happens? We step off the treadmill of 2018 and we go... And we step right on the treadmill of 2019 and say, I got a vision board for 2019. I'm going to get abs. I got to find a wife. I'm going to start my business. And all of a sudden, we're right back to striving instead of resting with Jesus and walking at his pace and coming into unity with what he wants for us. It never slows down. Nothing gets easier. Nothing changes because we have to learn to walk at the pace of grace. You know what we do with Jesus? Instead of walking with him, we love to run ahead of him. You ever done that? I go, Oh, that's what you want me to do? I'll be back, Jesus. I'm going to go do that right now. But can I tell you, when you run ahead of Jesus, you have to sustain yourself out there. And you're going to get exhausted real quick. Because you've you've done this thing. And this is one of my pet peeves. I'm going to tell you right now. If we ever go to a place and you need to follow me because I know where we're going and you don't. Don't drive around me because you get impatient. Okay, I don't drive that slow, first of all. And second of all, I'm going to see you at every light anyways and wave at you really annoyingly like, I'm still here. Good thing you took off and peeled out at that last light. And then... When you get to a place where you don't know where to go, you end up calling me anyways and saying, I'm lost. Now i got to get you unlost because you couldn't just stay behind me. How many of you have done that with Jesus? Let's be honest with ourselves. Hey, Jesus, I'm on my way to where you told me to go. Now what? Jesus is saying, you should have just stayed behind me. You should have just stayed with me and walked at my pace. And you never would have had to call me. I wouldn't have had to explain this and work this problem out. But I think it's time to stop wasting all of our effort and energy on things that are not a part of our purpose and walk in the pace that God has set before us. We exhaust ourselves with these things. And I, and I heard a quote that says, If the enemy can't get in front of you and stop you, he will get behind you and push you. Because he can get you running to and fro trying to do things so much that you will burn out. And I've seen too many people in ministry and Christians burn out. And it makes you feel, the enemy will get behind you and make you feel like you lost time and you missed it. Have you ever walked in fresh snow? You know, I've learned that fresh snow can be messy and dangerous. Because when you walk on fresh snow, it looks so flat. But when you step, sometimes you can step in a pit that you didn't know was there. That's why I love when I walk in snow to walk in tracks that someone who's gone before me has already put. And I need somebody to know this morning, God is not calling you to blaze a new trail on your own. He's making the footsteps and he's asking you to walk in the footsteps that he's already made for you. And you won't fall and you won't trip and you won't fall into pits because he's been there before. And if you step where he steps, he will keep you from danger. So, Pastor Brent, why walk The main reason, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The main reason to walk is if you run, you miss moments where miracles happen. If you run, you miss moments where miracles happen. And, and maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you've been running around so fast you haven't even stopped to look and see, you know what, look where I am and look where I used to be. Man, God has done a miracle in my life, but I'm so busy running around I haven't even stopped to give him honor and praise for that thing. Maybe you've been running around so quickly you haven't even stopped to look at the spouse sitting next to you and say, dude, they are way out of my league. God did something. I am blessed and praise God for them. But we run around so quickly we don't even notice the miracle that God has already given us. Running from place to place, you didn't even see. You didn't even remember that you were barren and now God has, has blessed you and you have abundance. You didn't even see, you don't even remember that at one point you were divorced and you, and you wanted to give up. At one point you were addicted and lost and where God found you, but you've been running around so hard you forgot the very fact that the reason you started to run is because, because He picked you up and found you. But if we lose the first thing, you miss everything. And that's what happens. You can get so excited when, when God finds us dead and brings us back to life that, that we start running and we never look back to say, wait a second it was about Jesus. And I'm so exhausted from running. I just want to give up on it all. And you won't even see that you're running and not available. Let's look at Jesus. I'll give you some Bible for this. Look at his first miracle. Okay? If Jesus had done what Jesus could have done and just showed up at this wedding in Cana where he did his first miracle and turned the water into wine, he could have just said, hey, guys, I'm just sticking my head in, congratulations, all right, I'm really busy, I'm Jesus, I know you understand, right, I got to go, I got things to do, I got to heal some people, just want to stop by and say congratulations, I'm out, but Jesus didn't do that, and you know what I see, when Jesus arrived at this party, at this wedding, they had everything they needed, but because Jesus stayed and was available, there came a time where they had a need, and Jesus became the miracle they needed because he was available to be that miracle, but only because he stayed and was available. But some of you, you won't stay in a place long enough to be effective. Sometimes you think, you look around and we, we're in such a fast pace and we think there's nothing for me to do here, I'm out. But God is saying, I'm just looking for some people to be available because there's a miracle that I want to do and it's not right now, but if you're available at the time I want it, I'll use you to do it. You've been trying to get out of that job, but, but maybe God is saying if you just stay at that job at some point, I'm going to need someone to do a miracle and if you're available, I'll use you to do it, but you got to run at the pace of grace. you got to run in unity with what God desires for you to do. Will you be available at your child's sporting event to speak into their failure when they strike out and they're upset? Or will you be so busy doing other things? Because I'm asking you, has God created a pace for you or have you created a pace for you? Because I think sometimes we neglect the great things by doing so many good things. And I think God is calling us to run this year at the pace of grace and be available to him. Another example is Jesus walking at such a pace that he could walk by a fig tree and notice this fig tree has no fruit. If Jesus would be running by, he wouldn't even been able to even notice this, but Jesus is walking at such a pace that he walked up to a fig tree and said, you have no fruit and he cursed it and it died. Some of you have some things that are producing no fruit in your life, but you're running so quickly, you haven't even stopped to say, you know what, that relationship is, 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 has no fruit and I shouldn't even have this relationship in my life. You're just running around back and forth and there's some dead things in your life that God is wanting you to deal with, but you can't even tell. All you can tell is it's a tree because you're running so quickly. Oh, that's just my broken family. That's just my insecurities and you're running back and forth and all around. But if you would run at the pace of grace, you could stop and you could speak into that broken family or you could curse those insecurities and say they have to come off of this tree in Jesus' name if you walked at the pace of grace. But we're so busy that we miss the miracle. That was my intro. Mark chapter 5. I'm just kidding. I'm playing. Scared you. We're getting there. But I want to tie this all together with Mark chapter 5. I love this because Jairus, he, he comes to Jesus for his daughter. And I need you to know, this is how the Holy Spirit works sometimes. When I was planning this message, I had talked about this, this word so much, and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to this story. And, and I'm writing this, all these notes in this story and, and talking about how Jesus was available. And then I realized something about how God had been talking to me so much about 12. And then I realized we're dealing with a, a, a 12-year-old daughter and a woman who'd had an issue for 12 years. Come on. Is that crazy or what, how God works in that way? So Jairus, he runs, he runs into, this, into Jesus and he says, my 12-year-old daughter is dying, okay? And if I'm Jairus, I picture there's no time for formalities. There's no time to say, blessings, Savior Jesus, worthy is the lamb, okay? No, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Like, can, can we get your things? Do you need help? Like, let me grab that for you. Let's go. My daughter is dying. And Jesus, we, we see in the scripture that you can tell by the scripture he was, in, he was not in a hurry. It says, it all it says is, and Jesus went with him. Jesus, um, I don't know if you know the, the uh, weight of what's actually happening. It, do, it doesn't say he took off. It just says he went with him. And, and we know he walked slow. Here's how I know. Can I get a few uh, guys to come up here? Just for uh, illustration. All right. and more. Uh, one more One more guy. One more guy. One more guy, all right, no, yeah, you too, you too, come on. All right, you stand over there, Zach, you're Jairus, and you guys come in, I'm Jesus, okay, because that's how this works, because I'm preaching, and so if there was Satan, this guy would be Satan, I'm just kidding, turn around, turn around, listen, listen to me, I'm Jesus, And, and so Jairus is probably ahead saying, come on, Jesus, let's go, let's go, it says the crowd was pressed around him, so come on, guys, all right, let's go, guys, let's walk, let's walk. let's go walk and I'm guessing this is not the pace Jairus had in mind when he stopped thank you guys you're good when he stopped and met Jesus and he's like Jesus we have things to do okay my daughter is dying um, and you're walking with these people and can I tell you Jesus could have moved people out of the way and picked a new pace but he didn't because Jesus wanted to walk with people And I think there's so so many of us this morning, if we're honest, we are at a pace where we are not available to walk with people. And when Jesus went at a pace where he could walk with people, people's lives were changed and people were healed because he was in no hurry, because he just did life with people. And Jairus, he wanted him to run, and, and I'm sure he was probably thinking, or maybe he even said, Jesus, can we go faster Okay, I'm all about you having a relationship like this. This is great, the relationship part of Jesus, but can we just get to what you have to offer me? Can we just skip all these formalities of relationship and just get to heaven? Can we just get to salvation? Because that's what I really want from you, Jesus. Can you just come heal my daughter? I don't care about all this other stuff. And I think that's a picture of many in the church today. That Jesus, I, I don't really want to walk with you. I just want what you have to offer me. Can I tell you, Jesus wants to walk at a pace where he is the prize. Heaven is not the prize. Salvation is not the prize. Uh, Blessing and favor and honor are not the prize. Jesus is the prize, and walking with him at his pace Not thinking, let's go, I got somewhere to be. Where you gotta be is with Jesus. That's what you were created for. We've clouded this all up in America where we have this dream that I gotta get things and and we use manipulation with people and now we somehow take that over to God and think, hey, I need what you can give me, Jesus, so let's go, come on. Give it to me. And that's it. There's no relationship. I want to wake you up this morning and say, that is not going to get you to heaven. And I'm telling you to be honest with you, because you are not getting to heaven based on the fact that Jesus has something to give. It is only through relationship that he wants to know you and have a relationship with you. We all have those relationships where someone only calls you when they want something. You ever have those? You're like, oh... It's Steve again. Here we go. How much money you need, Steve? What do you want? And can we be honest? That's some of our relationships with Jesus. But we have a God who doesn't look at the phone and say, it's Brent again. Watch. Bet you. Bet you he lost his job again. Hey, Brent. Oh, you need another job? All right, coming right up, buddy. Boop. Can I tell you, walking with Jesus is what it's all about. And there's a pace as as we walk with him that we're transformed. And then I love this story because while Jesus walked with the crowd, a woman with an issue of blood who'd suffered for 12 years comes along. The scripture tells us that she had this issue of blood for 12 years. Now, I'm not a woman, okay, but I'm married to a woman, a beautiful one, praise God. Um, And uh, she loves it. And so I'm telling you, if this was an issue for 12 years, Poor her, right? Ladies, can I get an amen? Amen. And if my wife had an issue with this for 12 years, poor me. Can I get an amen from the men? No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Do not send me emails. I'm joking. But Jesus was on his way to do something, and on his way, he ran into this lady. Does everyone understand this story? It's pretty simple, right? But because he was available along the way to do something, then he was able to help someone. Now, Jesus has called many of you to do something, and along the way, I think he's gonna give you other opportunities if you're not too caught up in what you're doing to be available for what God. He was so available that she could reach out and touch him. If Jesus had been running, she never would have had access to him to reach out and touch his garment. But because he was walking at a pace where she could reach out to him, this lady was healed. Are there people in your life that if they could just get close enough to touch you, their life would be changed? Are there people in your family, in your workplace, that if they would just get close enough to actually have a relationship with you, that they would see the Jesus in you and the hopelessness in them would have no place because they would meet Jesus just by being in relationship with you, but you're not available because you got your own priorities and you're climbing a ladder at work, or you're so busy at work, but I'm asking you this morning, can you be available so this person in your workplace, this person in your family, this person in your neighborhood can actually meet Jesus? Because you're running at the pace, walking at the pace of grace. Don't run. I want to remind you this morning, you know God waited on you. Is it possible for you to wait on other people? Or are you in such a hurry that you can't? Don't you think Jesus had things to do? But he walked at a pace where a stranger could reach him and touch him. I love the story. I heard Charles Stanley tell one time, and he was at one time a taxi driver, and he, he picked up this uh, woman in, on a Saturday morning, and, and it was just a normal call he got. He went to her house, and she came out of the house and, and locked the door, and she had one suitcase with her, and she got in the, in the taxi, and he said, hey, you going, you going to the airport? She said, no, I'm not going to the airport. She said, "I'm actually going to hospice." And this is, she said, "Um, sorry." <laughs> she said, "This is probably the last time I'm ever even going to be in a car." And uh, she said, "Can you can you take the long way?" And he said, he he turned off the meter. And he said he spent his Saturday driving this woman around and bought her lunch, before he dropped her off that evening at hospice. And he said that may have been the most important thing I've ever done in my life. Because he was available. Can I ask you this morning, are you available? Or are you so busy doing that you miss the opportunity to be Jesus to someone? I think we can all learn from, this, from that story and from this story where we're reading about Jairus because he had to be freaking out. Let's, let's picture this again. Jairus is walking ahead like, come on, Jesus. Come on, let's go. At least he's moving. And then all of a sudden it says, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? I'm like, if I'm Jairus, I'm like, seriously? Jesus, come on. What do you mean, who touched you? My daughter is dying. Now you're stopping to ask, who touched you? And he says, I felt virtue leave me. And so, someone was changed. Someone was healed. He stayed there, and this woman comes trembling and saying, it was me. I touched you. I knew that if I could get in your presence, then I could be healed. And Jesus turns to her and says, woman, this, your faith has made you well. And the Bible says at that very moment, while Jesus is dealing with this crisis, okay, at this very moment, they come to him, or they come to Jairus, and they send message that your, your daughter is dead. And it says, don't bother Jesus anymore. Um, he doesn't have to keep walking. And in verse 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? I need someone to know this morning, Jesus will interrupt your death sentence because he's not finished with it. Somebody spoke death over your marriage. Somebody spoke death over your dream, but, it, but Jesus has another word. He, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. That's God's word for somebody this morning. You've had a death sentence spoken over your career, over, over your marriage, over your life. I want you to know this morning, don't be afraid, just believe because Jesus, he, he's in the middle of dealing with mayhem right here um, and, he, and a miracle at the same moment. Are you available when you're going through mayhem to, to do a miracle? Because if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we're just not available. You ever have one of those days where you're like, I just, I just can't. I just can't today, you know. I'm just really busy. I'm just going through a lot. I don't have time for this fender bender this morning. Uh, I just, I'm just dealing with my own stuff right now. And you know, I think God really has me in a season of isolation right now. How many of you have said these things before? I don't know what you're going through today, but I believe God's word for you in the middle of your mayhem is, "Do not be afraid, but stay available." Just because you're going through mayhem doesn't mean you can't do a miracle. In fact, I believe some of the most miraculous seasons of my life were the ones that were filled with the most mayhem and crisis going on all around me. But in the midst of it, Jesus allowed me opportunities to be a miracle to someone else. So can I get the worship team to come up and help me? Jesus, he stopped the crowd, but only Peter, James, and John could go with I believe someone here, God is getting ready to do a miracle in your life, and it's not going to be public. It's not going to be a Facebook uh, spectacle for everyone to see, but there's some people that God is going to allow to come with you to see what he's doing in your life, and other people that you cannot take with you to where he's taking you. Verse 38, they came to the home of the synagogue leader. Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Somebody this morning, your situation is not dead. You're, he's not finished with you yet. He spoke faith over her and they, the people started to laugh. They laughed at Jesus. I need you to know this morning that the people around you that seem like they care and they're crying over the situation, um, when you start to speak faith over it, they're not going to be in the same boat as you, and they might laugh when you say, but Jesus says this is going to happen, and if they laugh at you, that's okay, because I'm telling you that some things that God wants to do in your life are not public, and it doesn't need committee approval. Some things God wants to do in your life are between you and him, and he's going to speak to you, and that's why Jesus made all of them leave except the three disciples and the child's parents, because they had faith. God, some, some of you this morning, I believe God is calling you to get a circle of people around you that will encourage your faith and believe with you in your inner circle. Jesus speaks to the girl and tells her, get up, and she got up and walked around. And I love this story because we see a woman who had an issue for 12 years and a little girl who'd been alive for 12 years and in this very moment, Jesus meets them. If he had been later, it wouldn't have worked out like this. If it had been earlier, it wouldn't have worked out like this. But right at the pace of grace, these two miracles take place together. And I want to ask you this morning, are you running and striving after something that you think God is calling you to do or are you resting and saying, God, if you call me, if you lead me, I'll walk behind you and I'll go with you anywhere you lead me because I believe there's striving and exhaustion that can happen in the the church, but I believe there's a time and a place where God is going to allow things to come together and you're going to be a miracle if you're available. Because this 12-year-old girl and this issue of 12 years came, to, came together, and right now it's 12. So I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus. There's some people here this morning that are starting a new season. God, I believe that there's a season of no longer striving and walking quickly, God. But I believe right now, Jesus, at 12 noon, it's no, it's no coincidence Lord Jesus that they're here right now to say the old government and rule is behind them and right now they're no longer governed by what they want to do but by what you're calling them to do Jesus by what a walk, a transforming walk with you of intimacy is going to lead them to do Father we don't want to run ahead of you, we want to be available to you we don't want to go in our own direction we want to be available to you Jesus and I believe in that there's life you know in In the scriptures we see Adam and Eve and Adam had this relationship with God where the scripture says that he walked with Adam in the garden every day. And I believe Jesus came as a man and died on the cross to restore a relationship where you can walk with Jesus every day. Not run around in exhaustion and and tire yourself out, but walk. This morning we have pre-service prayer and and I wasn't sure you know how I was going to end this morning but God really showed us something in in the prayer this morning if you've never been to it and you want to be a part we start at uh, 9.45am on Sunday mornings we have pre-service prayer in here anyone's invited but I felt the Lord speak that verse to me that says they that wait upon the Lord will find new strength they'll soar high on wings like eagles they'll run and not grow weary they'll walk and not faint and I think that's the word for the church today. Because I think there are many that have grown weary and they've been, they've been running themselves into exhaustion. But there's something about that verse that I feel like God uh, spoke to me this morning. Is there's something about an eagle? Because there's a lot of birds that flap and they get everything in their own energy. You ever seen a hummingbird? That looks exhausting. But there's something about an eagle that will find the wind and they will just soar effortlessly. And I just believe this morning that there's a wind of the Holy Spirit that God wants you to find, that you're no longer striving and flapping to make everything happen and meet every end and be the dad that I'm supposed to and earn the money that I have to for my bills and, and spend time with God like I'm supposed to. So I got to I gotta do this and I got to do that. No, Jesus is saying just spend time soaring and open up your wings and say, Holy Spirit, come and lead me and allow the direction of my life to go in the direction that the wind takes me. Father, we want to be eagles. We don't want to be flapping and exhaustion and wear ourselves out, but I just pray the spirit of an eagle come over every person in this place to just open up their arms today. Will you stand at your feet with me this morning, and we're just going to worship, and I just want you just to open up your arms and just say, Jesus, I want to soar. I don't want to run in exhaustion anymore. I don't want to be dry anymore, and there's some of you here this morning that you've been flapping, and and you've been exhausted, and I want to invite the prayer teams up right now, and I just want to ask you before you leave this place this morning come up and we're going to ask the wind of the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you and take that burden and that weight that you've been carrying by yourself. Single mom, there's a weight that you've been carrying that feels like you've got to do it all alone and you're exhausted and you don't have enough time in the day or energy, but I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we just declare rest over the people of God today. We just declare rest over every weary soul today. God, I pray for the person who's been stuck in addiction for so long and they feel like in their own energy they're exhausted from all the trying. But I believe this morning the Holy Spirit is going to send a wind that's going to make them rise above every situation, over every addiction, and they're going to soar above the storm that they've been stuck in for years. In Jesus' name, come on, lift up your hands this morning. Let's ask Jesus us to send the wind of the Holy Spirit and help us to soar effortlessly in Jesus name. I want to speak to the person here this morning who feels like you should be farther than you are right now. Because you look around and you compare yourself to other people at your age and you think, man, they that I'm behind. And I want you to know this morning, God has you exactly where He wants you this morning. That you are not behind this morning. If you just lock in and say, God, I want to walk at your pace, that you are not written by anybody else's story, so you can't compare yourself to them. God is saying, I have a pace for you this morning. And those of you who feel like it's too late, like God has finished with you, like your time has passed. I want you to know this morning morning. that God's pace does not work the same as our pace, or what you might think. Abraham and Sarah had a child at the age of 90 and 100, and I know this morning God is not finished until he says he's finished. God, we want to walk at your pace. We want to be in tune with your Holy Spirit and do what you want us to do. We want to rest in you, God, not be striving every other direction, Lord, but this morning I just believe there's a rest coming over this place in Jesus' name.